This is a special edition of the RTI Press Pass, powered by Rocky Top Insider. Here are your hosts, Rick Butler and Ryan Shumpert. All right, and welcome. You see, I got to be a little quiet right now because it is 2 o'clock in the morning, and we are here in our Orlando Penthouse Hotel Suite. Isn't that right, Ryan Shumpert, my good friend, your good friend, Rocky Top Insider Zone? Yeah, I don't have the energy at this time of the day to dispute that, so yeah, the, <laughs> the penthouse in Orlando, that's right. Yeah, that's that's what we're going with. Man, it has been a, a, a long day, a long day of basketball. One of the best sports days of the year, absolutely, the first day of March Madness. Things are going to continue on into Friday, but... Tennessee had their game today, right here in Orlando at the Amway Center. Ryan Shumpert, my name is Rick Butler. We were at the game today. In fact, we were at all of the games today in Orlando. What a day again. First and foremost, just a great start to the tournament. Huh? Yeah. A lot of drama uh, and crazy stuff happening. Yeah, it really was. And shout out to my, my Furman Paladins who yes. who got the job done in, in game one today. An answered, you know, answered prayer, really, on that, that last <laughs> That last play, I mean, it felt like they let the game get away, and then uh, J.J. Pegas from Nashville, Tennessee, Hillsborough High School, hits the hits the game winner, and then uh, it's so long. I'm trying to think of his exact quote to the sideline reporter after the game. It said, "Winners make big time plays," and I'm a winner. So wow, uh, it was a great a quote. And uh, I couldn't believe the Virginia guy made that pass. Yeah, I know it was crazy. He would have gotten fouled. I mean, yeah. that that would have been the game. But hey, that's March. One big mistake can cost you. All right, so we're going to talk a little bit about. Tennessee's game just a couple of hours ago at this point. Again, it's late at night. We're in our hotel room right now, so just going to kind of be quick, brief thoughts on the game, maybe a little bit of a preview for what's coming up Saturday. But going back to earlier today, the 9.30 p.m. game, it ended up being around number four seed Tennessee defeats number 13 seed Louisiana by a score of 58-55. to And boy, was this a weird game if you're just looking at the final score. You might think it was back and forth all game. You might think it was a nail-biter of a contest, and it certainly was, but really only once you got late in the second half, Ryan. I don't know about you, but when I think back to this game, to me, this was a lot of a lot of the game where, where Tennessee was in control. Tennessee was dominant even at times in the second half, building up an 18-point lead, but then it all came kind of crashing down. Louisiana went on a big run. Really, this was just a game of runs in general. I yeah, think even was. when we got into just a couple minutes in the second half, I turned to you and I said, hey, I think there's been four different 7-0 runs, and that was before, you know, uh, what was it, I guess a 13-0 run even from yep. Louisiana to cut it close. So certainly drama late. Louisiana makes a big, big, big-time push. They reduce the 18-point lead all the way down to three, but Tennessee is able to hang on and survive. No, you're right. It, it was a game of runs, and Tennessee led for over 37 minutes. Uh, Louisiana led for 126. So Tennessee was in control for most of the game, and, and real, but really, you know, it wasn't until those last like four or five minutes of the first half where it felt like Tennessee really took control. Yeah, I, I mean, they led by you know seven or eight at one point. Its defense was playing really well. It felt like after both teams came out pretty hot, hot offensively, Tennessee went to that zone defense. I thought was really effective in slowing down Jordan Brown, Louisiana's big man who was as good as advertised. Yes. And then Santiago Vescovi picks up his second foul there and spends the last 12 minutes of the first half on the bench. And so it, it took it took a, a little bit after that, but Louisiana goes on a run, evens up the game. But uh, what happened at that point, it you know, wasn't super noticeable. The naked eye was 
Jordan Brown picked up a second foul. Louisiana put him on the bench uh, to end the first half, and Tennessee really capitalized on there with what was an 11-0 run. They were tied 19-19, I believe, at the under-four timeout. Uh, Olivier Kamal hits a big three there in the yes. last minute. Euros Plasic gets a tip in with about two seconds left, and Tennessee took control. And then, like you said, it kind of looked like they would coast in the second half. The lead got as it large did. as 18 on a ferocious Olivier Kamal put-back dunk. Nasty. Yeah, it was. Nasty. And, but from there, again, Louisiana, they had some answers. They had didn't really hit any threes. Uh, well, at that point, all game, the first about 30 minutes of the game. Yeah, they, they, they missed their first seven, I believe. They hit one, so they went one of eight, and then you know just start, kind of started the barrage of late threes as they were trying to start climbing back in. But you're right, some of those fell in. Yeah, Kobe Julian was the guy who really kind of sparked the run. He hit three threes. He scored, I believe, 11 out of 13 points in the 13-0 run from Louisiana. And Tennessee, I think, came out with an answer after that point, but they never really fully put Louisiana away. It's often struggled down the stretch and made just two baskets in the final 11 minutes of the game. And even at the free throw line, they, they weren't great. Josiah yeah. Jordan-James wanted to. Uh, Julian Phillips wanted to. Jemai Mishak was one of two in his last trip to the line, though he was very good at the, I think, four or four at the free throw line before that. For a guy that's been struggling this year, he ends up going five of six. So uh, it wasn't pretty. It wasn't perfect for Tennessee, but we did just enough to survive. And that's what you know. That's the popular phrase this yeah. time of year: survive in advance. Goes it, back forty years ago, nineteen eighty three, <laughs> North Carolina State Wolfpack, cardiac pact. Okay, so let me ask you this, and this is, and I will also preface this, I guess, by putting my own answer into it as well. But did you feel like that late second half run for Louisiana was that more problematic defense from Tennessee, or do you kind of just chalk that up to, hey, this is March Madness, this is chaos, guys do not want to leave the court and go home, so you were kind of kind of expect to push. I mean, well, obviously it, it can happen. You can get blowouts. Well, we saw plenty of them today, but to me, there just kind of felt like a time in that game where. Yes, obviously there were there were problematic breakdowns a little bit from the defense, but ultimately I kind of just chalked up some of that to, hey, they started hitting big shots at the end of the game. This, this was a Louisiana team who did put together a good season. They weren't ever just going to, in my mind, they weren't ever just going to completely falter and go away. They just started hitting some big shots, and sometimes that's just what happens in March. What what, what do you kind of think about that juxtaposition? Yeah, no, I think that's definitely some of it. Um, you know, in Tennessee players talking in the open locker room, they, they kind of had that, that vibe as well. Some of it then making good shots, got to give them credit. Some of it, we got to be a little crisper on the defensive end. And, you know, I turn even away from the defensive end. You just don't go four minutes without scoring. Sure. Then you do a lot to supplement that run and it not be <laughs> nearly as big of a deal. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to pull up pull up the stats now of, of how long that run was. Yeah, it was a three – it was 13-0 run in like three minutes. So – you got plenty of possessions in there. You just make a basket or two, and you kind of calm the storm a little bit. Yeah. So uh, I think while the defense wasn't great, while Louisiana hit some tough shots, I think uh, anything you look at this game, if Tennessee would have let it get let the game get away from them, it would have you would have turned on the offense yeah. and looked at the offense and said those guys they have to be better on that end, and they're going to have to be better going forward. I mean, eighteen turnovers was really bad. Um, didn't shoot the ball particularly well. Four sixteen from three, actually pretty solid from the field, forty six percent but didn't quite get the offensive rebounding they usually get. So it certainly was kind of an ugly game. And, you know, Rick Barnes said at postgame, and it's a message we've heard him say a lot this year, we, we won with our defense. You know, the offense wasn't pretty, but yep. we, we got enough stops to win, and uh, they were able to do that against the Raging Cajuns. You mentioned turnovers a second ago. To me, that was really kind of one of the problematic spots of this of this game for Tennessee when, when you look closely at it. And Rick Barnes talked about it a little bit. We're, we're obviously talking about it right here. 
just plenty of head-scratching turnovers, head-scratching mistakes, and not necessarily head-scratching in the sense of, you know, wow, I can't believe Tennessee is doing this right now. Like we've seen them have those kind of yeah. careless turnovers and, and, you know, just a little bit of rambunctious moments on the court before, but I think you also just, you know, it's head-scratching because this is such a critical moment in the season. This is obviously win or go home. This is do or die. So that was certainly a place that Tennessee needs to clean up a little bit heading into the next game. They won't be able to afford those those kind of turnovers against a team like Duke, who will be taking advantage, not even can take advantage, who will be. Uh, but Rick Barnes addressed it post-game as well. He said, hey, look, that was absolutely a conversation that we had in the locker room at halftime. We, we, we knew that we needed to cut those down, but at the end of the day, it was what guys stepping out of bounds. It was guys throwing passes when other players weren't there. It was just ultimately careless stuff. Do you see, you know, how big of a problem do you see that for Tennessee just coming out of this game? Yeah, I mean, I think it's got to be a pretty, you know, got to say it's a pretty <laughs> big problem at this point. Like, you're right. Like, the turnovers, they're head-scratching, but not in the sense that it's just, like, a bunch of horribly dumb decisions. It's just, like, uncharacteristic plays, not just for, like, Tennessee, for any basketball yeah. team. Julian Phillips tripping over himself, coming off screen, pass goes flying out of bounds. You mentioned Santiago Vescovi steps on the line out of bounds, and throwing the ball where somebody wasn't. And, you know, one guy goes one way, throw it the other way. But And you think about it, if it's just a one-game thing, then you're like, no, this isn't a need to panic, but this is now four straight games. We've seen this be an issue without Sky Ziegler. Yeah. And mostly careless turnovers in, in those games. And I do think a lot of it tonight was heightened by the fact that Santiago Vescovi spent 12 minutes on the bench in the first half. He is Tennessee's best ball handler with Sky Ziegler out. And they were certainly leaning on Tyreek Key, leaning on Jemai Meshack, leaning on Josiah Jordan-James a lot with him out. And I think not that that was just like a direct correlation that none of those turnover problems would have happened if Vescovy was playing. Uh, but I certainly think you know, Vescovy still had three turnovers himself. But I certainly think that didn't, didn't help things out either. All right, let me ask you another question here. Who, I have no idea what you're going to say. So if you go in a different direction, that is perfectly fine. But I'm going to phrase the question like this. Who was your MVP of the first round of the tournament, and why was it Jemai Meshack? <laughs> yeah? Yeah? Am I, am I on track there at least? Yeah, no, it, no, he, it is. I mean, he, in what, he was fantastic. I think two reasons he, he's the MVP. One, what he did on Themis, Themis Folks, the Louisiana point guard. Yes. You people listening to this are probably going to know better than me because y'all are listening. We didn't to hear the, the broadcast. Yeah, you're listening to the broadcasters <laughs> all night call him. But I thought he made him... Uh, decently uncomfortable. I mean, folks had 11, 11 assists. He's one of the great pass-first point guards in the country. But he turned him over five times. He extended that pressure defense and, and kind of made, I thought, Louisiana's offense uncomfortable. He drew a huge charge call late. I, I asked him post-game in the open locker room what was his favorite play that he made, and he said that charge call or that charge that he took wow. uh, in a big moment. But I think even bigger than that, it's what he did on the offensive end, and it's not going to jump off the stat sheet necessarily. Eleven points, an efficient eleven points on four or six shooting, three or four at the free throw line. So not five or six like I thought, just three or four. But sparked that eleven zero run in the first half. He had, I believe, four of those first six points. He scored right out of that TV timeout when Louisiana was on a big run, and then again, uh, it's kind of same thing in the second half after Louisiana went on that thirteen zero run. Um, he gets mid-range jump shot, or I guess I think Jonas Adu scores on the first pos- first possession off of that. But yeah. Luciano goes back down and scores again, so it's back at five. He hits a mid-range jump shot, kind of as the shot clock's expiring, and then the next possession down, he gets downhill, gets fouled. That's when he made two or two free throws, and uh, yeah, I'll give it. To, I do give it to Meshack, but I think 
Jonas Adu, who's head scratchingly frustrating with his inconsistency. I thought he was great tonight too. Yeah. If, if I wasn't going to give it to Meshack, I think that Adu is probably who I would give it to. Uh, again, it was plus fifteen on the night, which is a, a really spectacular. A number. team, a team best plus fifteen, and again, like the rest of his stat sheet, he's not going to jump off the page at you. But he finished some easy stuff under the rim when Tennessee needed baskets. He, I thought he rebounded well, and he played good defense on Jordan Brown. I was curious if he'd be strong enough uh, to deal with a 240-pound big man. I thought he did well. He had some really big blocks, it felt like, in big moments. He ended up with, only, with two of them, but it, it felt like both of them were those pure erasing shots where it's like that shot, it looked like it was going to be yeah. a, a wide-open layup under yeah. the basket, and he... His long arms were able to, to reach out there and get a block, and some of it big moments. So I think he certainly deserves a ton of credit as well. Yeah, I think so too. And just going back to the the first guy we were talking about there with Jamai, it's really it's really been pretty incredible to see him grow up in front of our own eyes just throughout the whole season as a whole. When you look at it just from the macro level, I mean, this guy came into the came onto the team this year as a sophomore, so second year, being a defensive specialist. But there was a point in the season where. Tennessee really needed a little bit more offensive production from certain guys. This was also a time where Tyreek Key was not really scoring double digits in SEC play. To me, it was that Kentucky game where he really kind of turned a corner. And now I think you can see just how important of an all-around overall player he is, how, how valuable he is to this team. Just, Ryan, for all the reasons that you were saying. By the way, go ahead and check out RockyTopInsider.com. You might have to scroll for a, a couple stories just because we've had a basketball game in between then. But just on Thursday morning, Ryan posted a, a f- absolutely fantastic article just about Jemai Meshack's story and his life and, and his journey coming, you know, growing up and, and through medical uh, medical complications. And real quick, what's just the 20-second blurb on that? Yeah, so he had, uh, and I'll try to pronounce it correctly, Guillain-Barre syndrome, um, which is a, a really rare uh, disorder where you're kind of your muscles get attacked uh, by the body and really more common in older people uh, very very rare in young people and he had it when he was four years old uh, basically completely was in the hospital for a month uh, couldn't feel his legs was paralyzed from the waist down essentially uh, so had to re- teach himself how to walk or relearn how to walk I guess I should say didn't necessarily teach himself uh, had to overcome a lot of motor skills his hand rhythms and feelings of things like that so a really long, long journey for him, and three years of physical therapy. They weren't the doctors weren't sure if he'd ever be able to live a normal life. Didn't know if he'd be able to play sports. Obviously, uh, all that has he was able to overcome and work through and get to this level. And uh, also some some good notes from his mom in there about their uh, the family's love of the NCAA tournament and yeah. also some uh, some Wii competitions. There it is. We all remember Wii Sports from back in the day. It was the biggest video game craze I've ever seen since like Rock Band. Yeah. And 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 the stories are great, right? And it makes sense too. Like you think about it, like those hand movements and like the sure. motor skills. Are like, or I mean, you play Wii. Like it's supposed to be like an actual sport, but it's really just like your hand motions. Uh-huh. And that was like at the time of Jemai's life where he didn't have all that stuff. You know, he was getting better, but didn't have all that stuff figured out. And they weren't taking it easy on him in the family. And <laughs> he was he was no. working at night, late at night, sweating in the, on the Wii, thinking he was being sneaky. And his parents didn't know about it, but they his did. parents knew about they it. They yeah. did. They knew. So anyways, that's a fantastic story. You can find it on RockyTomPinsetter.com. You can find it on Ryan's Twitter account. You can find it on my Twitter account. It is a must-read of a story as we continue on with the NCAA tournament here. All right, wrapping up on Tennessee and Louisiana, just one quick note from me, and this actually comes from NCAA's uh, game notes that were passed out to the media after the game. One, 
Tennessee's second-ranked defense in terms of field goal percentage held Louisiana to its lowest field goal percentage of the season at 40%. They did shoot 40 points. 40.7 uh, in a loss against Troy back in February, but this was even 0.7% lower. So this was Louisiana's low on the season. Tennessee is now 10-1 versus Louisiana all-time. Tennessee is also now 2-2 this season when scoring less than 60 points. So that's kind of an interesting little threshold right there. But anyways, a a, man, a chaotic game. Uh, uh, Some may call it a mad game, if you will, for the for the madness of March and, and certainly Tennessee's got a lot to a lot of good to take from this game. They got a lot to take on and improve on for the game on Saturday coming up. Going to be a marquee matchup, but ultimately, I felt like this was a very solid first round win for Tennessee. Final thoughts on the game today? Final thoughts is if you told me Josiah Jordan James and Santiago Vescovi combined for eleven <laughs> points, I would have told you Tennessee was going home a loser. So yeah, uh, they'll need more from those guys on Saturday against Duke. Um, but give a lot of credit to the role players: Jemiah Meshack, Tyreek Key. Even Yuris Plasic, who had nine points. Olivier Kamal, who had eight points. You know, no one was just like phenomenal offensively, but they got enough consistent production across the board from everybody else that they were able to overcome and not a very big night from their senior veterans. Yeah, that's that's very well said and a great point to bring up. All right, shifting gears real quick, just kind of wrapping up the podcast, looking ahead to Saturday. Ryan, I got to tell you, you know, when we were sitting there uh, on press row today, we had the Duke game in front of us, and I wasn't necessarily watching too closely. It wasn't, you know, scouting by any sort of the imagination. But what I think you could absolutely and easily tell was that Duke is a very put-together, premier, well-balanced team. They they took it to a solid Oral Roberts team. They looked like a—somebody uh, just said this on the one of the talking heads on the TV a second ago— they're a five seed that looked like a one seed today and played like a one seed today. This is going to be a tough matchup for Tennessee. Again, just looked like a, a solid, well-built, all-around team in Duke. It's going to be a tough matchup. Yeah, it is. I mean, Duke's, they're a popular pick. 74-51 over Oral Roberts today, by the way. Yeah, they're, and it was, what, like 13 nothing before Oral Roberts scored? I mean, it Oral was... Roberts did not want to score for the first 10 minutes of the game, and they didn't, basically. Something around that. You're right. They had zero... I think through the first two media timeouts, maybe. Yeah, and but Duke is a, they're a popular pick to go deep, and I mean yep. for good reason. Fourth longest active win streak in the country right now. They've won ten straight. They won the ACC tournament uh, last week in Greensboro. They're playing at a really high level right now. They've got some things figured out. Freshman Kyle Phillip, Kyle Filipowski has been really good. Jeremy Roach is back, looking like he did last March Madness when he was just playing phenomenal at point guard. So it's going to be a huge challenge. Uh, it's going to be a tough game for Tennessee, but. I don't think it's going to be a game many people are giving them a whole lot of a chance in. And uh, in the NCAA tournament, that's not necessarily the worst thing to have no. uh, entering a game. So uh, we'll we'll see what happens. A 4-5 or five seed, it's what we expected. It's the type of game you knew you are going to have to win to make Sweet 16, and that's the challenge ahead of the Vols. Yeah, and obviously two marquee programs, two powerhouse universities. It's going to be a little bit like a, I would say, a, a Duke-leaning neutral site. Tennessee fans did show up today. But yeah, there were a lot of Duke fans. Yeah, in the I think crowd it's going to well. be pretty heavy Duke. I think so too. So Tennessee's got a, thing, a couple things to battle. Not just a good Duke team, but a little bit of an away environment almost. Obviously, some home fans with them as well. But going to be a big time atmosphere. Going to be a big time game, and, and we'll see what happens. Obviously, we'll, we'll kind of think about our predictions tomorrow. That'll either come out on Friday or Saturday. Either I guess Friday afternoon or Saturday morning or so. Just kind of predictions for the game. So make sure you're staying tuned to Rocky Top Insider for that. But man. We're here for another day. That's that's exciting. Yeah, glad we don't have to drive 10 hours back tomorrow. Oh, ain't that the truth. 20 hours in three days, at least if we can 
extended out to 20 hours in five days. That that would be uh, that would be relatively fine. But hey, what do you say we go ahead and wrap this thing up? It's about 2:15 in the morning right now, and we still have work to do for the good people, for the good listeners, and the good audience of Rocky Top Insider. We're very thankful for every single person that follows along. Whether you're following along with the website, any of the different social media platforms, again, we are we are so grateful and. We got a lot of things coming up, including the tournament. Yeah, and diehards on the podcast. So we especially appreciate everybody tuning yes. in to listen. And I would say we sleep in May, but I don't, Tennessee baseball will be going on in May. So we, we sleep in July. I'll tell you what, I'm going to sleep pretty good tonight. <laughs> I know we're going to have to wake up and do this all again tomorrow and the next day as well. But I'm going to sleep pretty good tonight just knowing that it was a tremendous first round of the tournament. Tennessee got a big win, and uh, Tennessee's still playing basketball. So. That is something fun to take care of. All right, that's going to wrap it up for us today. A little bit of a short instant reaction. Maybe not instant, maybe a little bit of a Rocky Top Insider delayed reaction yeah. podcast. I think that's what we can call it. Um, but again, make sure you're following Rocky Top Insider on all different social medias. We are at Rocky Top Insider on Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, TikTok, and Instagram. Wherever you are, we are there as well. If you want to follow Ryan Shumpert, a tremendous follow for all things Tennessee Athletics, you can do that at rshump00, S-C-H-U-M-P. If you want to follow myself, you can do that at rick underscore butler, and that's just R-I-C. But anyways, we're going to leave it there. Go ahead and check out RockyTompInCenter.com for all of our post-game coverage, and we will see you back for the next one. This has been Rick and Ryan with the Rocky Top Insider Press Pass.